sifter.com.au. Hello and welcome to Lightmap from Sifter. On Lightmap, we have conversations and explore the culture and the making of games and interactive media. And you meet people who do that work from all around the world. My name is Gianni. Thank you so much for joining me. My guests on this episode of Lightmap are Andy Brophy and Olivia Haynes, two of the minds behind Knuckle Sandwich, a 2D RPG that feels like some of the best titles from the Game Boy Advance and Nintendo DS era. Hello to you both. Thank you so much for joining us. Cool. Thanks for having us. Hi. Before we jump in and learn a little bit more about this game that's been worming its way through my brain uh, for the last couple of days, uh, let's find out what's been making the news this week on Walkthrough, which is Sifter's weekly news podcast. Hi, I'm Kyle Paletto. And I'm Gianni DiGiovanni. And here are the top stories this week on Walkthrough, Sifter's weekly news podcast for Sunday, 5th of May. Escape from Tarkov developers relent, allowing access to PvE mode for players who bought an all-DLC bundle, but not before saying, sorry, you're mad. Solo developed Mana Lords and indie city builder break sales and Steam records. Take-Two shuts down studios behind Kerbal Space Program and Oli Oli World. And we wrap all the cool things announced at ID at Xbox. You can get every episode of Walkthrough for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and on our website, sifter.com.au, every Sunday. Articles to read, podcasts to listen to, and videos to watch on sifter.com.au. What is Knuckle Sandwich? Um, so it's a 2D RPG that has, uh, I guess, WarriorWare-style microgames mixed into the turn-based combat. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a, uh, like I said, it's an RPG. It's set on a fictional uh, island off the southeast coast of Australia. Um, has a lot of monsters, a lot of goblins, a lot of cult kind of intrigue all weaved into the story. Andy, can you take me all the way back to the very beginning? Because um, when we last spoke to you, you told us that this game actually has like its roots in a Flash game that you made a decade ago now. Let's go right back to the start. Yeah, so back yeah, back a decade ago, I was making um, I was making a lot of s- small kind of games like uh, with GameMaker, and I wanted to really branch out and just try different, different programs, that kind of thing, just try different ways of making games. Um, and so I feel I really, really late into the game got into making Flash games. Um, and yeah, cause I just wanted to be able to put games online, that kind of thing, the sort of small games I was making. Um, and one of them back then was a game that was called knuckle sandwich and had very much the same sort of, I suppose, opening kind of premise where you work in a diner, um, very similar characters, that sort of thing. Um, it was only a very brief game, maybe like 40 minutes, an hour long, something like that. Um, I showed it at like a couple of festivals and that, that sort of thing, but never properly released it. It was just kind of something that I had in the back of my mind. Um, mostly because Flash was dying and I just, you know, moved on to other kind of projects. Um, but it was only a couple of years later when I knew I wanted to make a bigger game that, you know, I looked through all my old projects that I abandoned and was like, you know, I think there's something here. I think this is the kind of aesthetic I want to go for, the kind of vibe. So I just expanded upon that over the years. Tell me a little bit about that aesthetic and vibe because it feels to me like, yeah, channeling my childhood when playing this game. Uh, tell me about the influences uh, and the, the look of Knuckle Sandwich. Yeah, well, kind of like you touched on in the intro, um, very GBA-inspired, very DS-inspired. I um, obviously played those a lot as a kid. Uh, I think it's funny. I, I started making games when I was around like 12 or so which was around the age I was when I was playing, you know, Game Boy Advance DS games. Um, so I think 
as I, you know, obviously transitioned into making games, that was the cutoff point where like, you know, before then I hadn't made them, I just played them. So I was like, you know what, I'm kind of stuck here. I think that's, to me, that was, that was peak video games. I, I can just keep making games from that era and that's it. So I don't know, that was just what was most familiar to me, the kind of things that I liked. Um, it just felt natural. I mean, and personally, like I like 2D games more, so it wasn't really a question of, you know, making it a 3D game or anything. It was just, this is what I like. This is what I'm good at. So I stuck with that. Um, it was only like, as I started working with Olivia, I was like, oh, I could probably add 3D now because Olivia is such a good 3D artist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's how that, that got added in, I think. Yeah. I've shown you the way. I've shown you 3D can be good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia, do you have that same sort of grounding, uh, the sort of games that you were playing? Is this the same world that you're in? Well, yeah. I mean... I obviously, my games are primarily 3D, but I actually, you know, when it comes to games that I play, I much more gravitate towards um, sort of GBA era and DS era. Um, It's like similar to Andy, Mm -hmm. like it's the games that I grew up with. Um, I mean, like my favorite console is the PlayStation 1. There's just like so many good games for it. And it's like, even today, like... even to this day, I'm like discovering new games for it that I'm just like falling in love with. Um, and I think um, I draw a lot of inspiration from that aesthetic in my work um, where it's like it's it's it is a lot of the time 3D games, but they're very rudimentary and experimental. And so like the focus becomes more on um, like the heart behind it almost with some games rather than like technical fidelity. Um, and I try and have that ethos i guess with my work it's it's really interesting because when i was looking at the 3d in this game and it started to see like there was an aesthetic of that ds era of 3d like it really had a look to it that you i didn't really appreciate at the time as i was playing it but the way that you kind of captured it really felt that way can you tell us a little bit about designing some of that look and how you kind of meshed the the two elements between the yeah the two 3d sort of kind of cutsceney other little bits and pieces and uh the actual overworld 2d rpg game so i think even just when it comes to the 2d art the game has such a varied art style um obviously the overworld and most of what you see and explore is is very much this very bright very you know harsh black outline that kind of thing but then when you get to the mini games it's any kind of style you know we've got like realistic clay we've got like there's like an actual photo of like my arm stuff like that um i think with the the 3d those scenes have a very different tone to the game and so we wanted that to be very like it's very I think like, you know, we, we eventually work to make it mesh a bit better, but it's still very jarring that like the first time you see 3D, it's just like, you know, the characters are elongated during this big void of a space, you know. Um, I don't I, know. I feel yeah. like I can speak a bit on that. Yeah. I feel like um, when we sort of started integrating 3D into Knuckle Sandwich, um, it was quite early in my sort of 3D practice um, as an artist. And I sort of initially was just really focused on... Um, like very low poly art like that Mm. was the style I worked on recreating um and I was specifically um I was really specifically referencing like Spyro the Dragon on like PlayStation 1 where um things like um the models are extremely low poly but the textures are like where a lot of the detail comes Mm. from and that's like um that's like a key part of the you know aesthetic for like nintendo ds 3d games like if you look at like super mario 64 ds it's that same kind of thing um and i mean that also just like worked with like game maker because it was limited in how many polygons you could have 
Um, you were not meant to make 3D games in that program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I feel like it's like the 3D sections are like a combination of our like aesthetics in a way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think we kind of like, yeah, we had these two different aesthetics and this is definitely like the middle of that Venn diagram. That's where that meets. Did you go back and research some of the games that you played at the time or was it all about rather capturing the feeling of what it felt like to play those games? Yeah, it's all it's all vibes. <laughs> um, I don't think I ever went back and was like, oh, how did this happen? Or like, I mean, actually, I think there's some stuff. So like, I mean, it's a bit further in the game. I guess it's kind of a spoiler, but there's like a very Tetris attack style, you know, like match the, the blocks kind of game in there. And I was thinking so much like, how did they figure out the math to do this? How did they make them like, you know, check this way and this way and all that? Turns out they didn't. I just figured out how to make it better than back then because <laughs> I just did it off memory. Um, so no, we probably would have got the game done a lot quicker if I just went back and looked at the things I was ripping off. But <laughs> I mean, like we've looked back in the sense of, um, you know, over our time making the game together, we've shared each other's games from our childhood. Mm. Like Andy's shown me like all the games that really influenced his like uh, Mischief Makers and Killer7 yeah, and the Noble much... Heroes games. Yeah. So like in that way, we've looked back. I think like yeah. maybe you could say that like you have gone back to those games but like more with like a different lens yeah like, it's not so much thinking like oh i liked this part and so let's go like watch it again or something like that i think um but yeah no definitely i think like a lot of conversations were like oh this was really cool that kind of thing because like i was very much a nintendo baby and like olivia was a playstation baby so like i didn't grow up with like you know the games live grew up with and vice versa we had like not as much of a crossover when we were really young so it was like finding out these things from each other which was really cool which helped influence things like i never played final fantasy 7 until like two years ago you know because <laughs> i like yeah I, I didn't grow up with it um yeah so Liv was like you gotta play it you gotta play it then i played it like over two weeks it was great <laughs> what was it like actually i'm always curious about that that game which was such an important part of my growing up and played it for hours and hours and hours whether or not if you come into it with fresh eyes what that experience is like no it blew me away it no honestly i um yeah, it was like over Christmas break. So I was like alone at our place. Olivia was like visiting family and I was like, I, I got to do something, you know? And so I, yeah, I played the game pretty much nonstop. And like, yeah, it gets to the final cutscene. I was just sitting there and I just felt like I'd been like, you know, like punched in the gut. I was just like, man, I get it. You know, like if I was a kid and I played this, like as it came out, like one, I wouldn't have appreciated it as much like as my adult brain, but two, like I would have been blown away. Like this would have been a totally different game. I would have been like, no, I'm making Final Fantasy VII too. That's what I would have done. <laughs> I'm really interested in, you know, talking about the the micro games because every time as I was playing it, something new appeared and I was really sort of surprised about how many different types of micro games have you got. Firstly, how many games have you got and what were some of the design uh, intentions behind making this different model of interactions throughout the battles? Um, so I love RPGs. Um, I, I, I played a lot of them growing up and everything. I, I think that's evident um, just in the game. But playing them now, like the battles are kind of just really boring a lot of the time. Um, they can just be like, you know, just going through menus, just finding the best items, that kind of thing. Um, I think not so much these days, but when it comes to like indie RPGs, they really just try and have like a bit more of a hook in some way. Like, you know, you see that in games like Undertale, et cetera, and the kind of games that came from then. Um, so to me, it was it was, it was was about making the battles as interesting as possible. Like even if, you know, there's it's not as much about like, you know, a numbers game as RPGs. It's like, it's always meant to have that feeling of surprise. Like you see a new enemy, you're like, oh, I wonder what that guy does, <laughs> right? Like, I wonder how this character's design would turn into a mini game, that kind of thing. So that was, that was really kind of the intention behind it. It wasn't, um, 
it wasn't even strictly designed to be that way initially. It was just like, I wanted every encounter, like I wanted people to want to see what every new character did. Um, and so like naturally just doing this mini game kind of style for the game's design just sort of worked out that way. Um, but yeah, as far as how many there are, there's like 120 something in the game. Um, but then like each of them have like different difficulty settings. So depends on what we consider different games at that point. <laughs> what were your rules when designing them? I was going to be really cringe and just be like, there were no rules, but um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, as far as like rules, I guess I had kind of like some hard rules where like every character's got to have at least two that are unique to them. Um, what were some other ones? that Like they couldn't be too much longer than 15 seconds, I think was another one. Like I really, I tried to shave off like, you know, like milliseconds of every interaction to make it like still feel readable and not just overwhelm people, but at the same time be like, no, just cut out any any kind of like fluff we don't need to like spend time here you know like even like you'll see things like it tells you the controls the first time then every other time it's like no you get it it's fine <laughs> stuff like that they had to be quick because they can really really drag on um that was the thing it has had to be like quick and readable and if i could just make it funny in some way or like surprising i think that was another thing i really focused on um you know like a windscreen does something a bit silly or shows a, a fun piece of art or has a fun sound something like that like it always had to just be entertaining without being too just random you've described this game as somewhat autobiographical but more that you've been making it over such a long period of time you can look back now and and think of the moments where you were making particular chapters i'm curious you would be going through the game at the moment before people get their hands on it what is it like to go back through that and revisit some of those moments it's really nice working on something for this long because I forget about some of the stuff I've made and especially like a game that's focused on humor. I will see a cutscene that I've completely forgotten about and start laughing and be like, that was pretty good. Like I, <laughs> I feel I see it fresh because I can't remember how much of this game I've made. Um, but no, it's, it's nice. You know, like I think, um, I think so much about where I was in my life at the point that I made specific parts of it. Um, and I can think about, like, you know, things I was going through, what I was up to, that kind of thing. Um, and especially we've shown the game at like, quite a few different events, like PAXs and stuff like that. So I can think about, like, when I was making this part and I showed this part to people, like, what they thought or, like, where we were at, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I played um, the other day. I had to play the prologue and chapter one. And, like, those were made, like, before, like, I knew Andy. Mm -hmm. And it was so, I had such a weird experience. I was like, this is a different guy. Yeah. <laughs> like literally just a different person made these. Like yeah. the sense of humor just feels different. Like I yeah. can't picture you as you are now, like making it. It was quite a bizarre feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is really hard because I'm one of those people who's really like, I'm a perfectionist, right? Like I keep going over the start of the game and I'm like, I wouldn't make the start of this game this way now if I were to have like started it right now right like yeah like completely different person um but you just have to let go sometimes with that sort of thing like i think it does what it needs to do and like i can guarantee with people that like the game does get better as it goes along because i've gotten better at making games as i've made it um which is good it doesn't like fall flat which i think is really mm -hmm. really nice um always what you want to see <laughs> but yeah um i think to answer the question in short it's it's really bizarre but like a good bizarre going back and seeing this stuff and playing through it 
you've made some of my favorite games. Some of the things that I think are most interesting and exciting over the last you know decade or so, Olivia, your work is so distinctive, and and you both together made Beyblades, which I played at. I think it was at a hover guard party, one Melbourne International Games Week. We just spent hours uh, playing that game on a little arcade <laughs> machine for that. Tell me what it's like working together, uh, making games together. You've got your own thing, but you work together as well. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. It's really funny. <laughs> like we're both we're both kind of workaholics. So yeah. every time we make a game together, we just come up with like the most ridiculous scope. And then it's like for like this extremely short amount of time, like a week, <laughs> we're just working like twenty three hour days. Yeah, <laughs> Beyblade, most of that was made um on a plane. Like we were in Japan at the time and yeah, most of the game because most of the game's the menu. <laughs> so yeah. we've made that. Um... I don't know why we keep making these games with like such a short amount of time and like these incredibly rich systems and yeah. like just because we can extremely it's large like list of art. Like Goblin TCG was like that was mental. Like we made like a hundred different cards or something. Yeah, I don't remember how many. I think we ended up with fifty in total that we finished, but we did that oh, in like yeah. five days, like all with their own u- unique art and everything. And I was just like, I just want to make a strategy game. Like that just sounds <laughs> funny. Like I've never done this before. I was like, this is not healthy, but it'll be funny <laughs> to look back on. You know. Yeah, we do it for the bit. <laughs> But I think, like, in all seriousness, like, um, we, like, in terms of the games we make, like, independently, our games are really different. Um, So it's, like, this interesting clash when we go to make something together where it's, like, our, the things we make are really different, but, like, we are very similar as people. We have, like, really similar taste. Um, And so I feel like sometimes there's, like, initially a bit of, like, a... Uh, like it can be difficult for us to figure out exactly what we want to do originally like for us to yeah get on the same page and get a scope that's like realistic we approach things the same way though i think but like just the different aspects that we focus on like typically like i'll focus on the design of something that we make and then liv will focus on the art like we'll we'll cross over a little bit like i'll do a bit of art here liv will come with an idea here that kind of thing but like i think we get such a clear idea in our head when we are on something that it's like yeah we just have to try and find the right like frequency so we're both matching it and then like yeah we just don't really talk then we're just like all right the game's done well yeah also every game we've made together so far has been in game maker and like you know andy's been using game maker for two decades so there's like literally no point in me like touching any of the you know coding side of things because he can just like whip it up instantly. I'm just like, like this so and then I, it's there. <laughs> I think next time we have to make like a game in Unity so it's like more yeah. balanced where it's like... We're going to use something we both don't know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Because I don't know Unity. We'll make an Unreal game next. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that'd be really funny. <laughs> just flip the roles. Liv, yes. you just program it all and then we and should do, all do that. Yeah, exactly. We'll do that. Let's like do like, a little side project after this. <laughs> yeah, like defying gender roles. <laughs> the woman does the code and the man does for the, the boys. Art. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That's so bad. You mentioned scope there because one of the most impressive things about following the crowdfunding campaign and everything you've been posting over the time has been your grid as you work your way through this process. Tell me Tell me about the grid, because it's kind of had a bit of a mystery to it, but it's always been intriguing to w- watch the little squares change colour. So I'm like a very visual person, right, with everything. Um, like when it comes to making a game, I don't like grey box. I don't use like squares or like placeholder art. 
the art that I put in when I first make something is like the art that's going to be in the final game, you know, maybe some revisions there or whatever. It's a horrible system means I have to know exactly what I'm making. If I need to change it, I scrabble this art really bad. Um, that comes, that's like the same sort of philosophy I have when it comes to like planning a game, right? Like I always knew about the chapter system, all that, but to me, I, I needed like a way, like I, I usually just have like a notepad and it's just got like a big list of things I have to do, like that kind of work thing um when it comes to tasks but i needed like a visual way to kind of keep me motivated to know like how far is this like a progress bar right but obviously you can't like how do you how do you calculate that so to me it was dividing it all by like the individual sections and how close each section is to being done and obviously that's a grid right um it's not accurate whatsoever like the amount of squares doesn't equal like a percentage or anything even if you try like it's just not how games or anything really works but it just looks so good <laughs> to see it like fill up right like everyone's like oh my god it's so close and i started like making them gifts so you could see the change between each one and everything and everyone got so on board with it i was like yeah it's the grid obviously if i like would talk about an update and people were like where's the grid you know <laughs> like i just want to see the grid <laughs> um i don't know something about it's just very infectious like i'm glad other people responded to it the same way i do um and yeah like you said it's a bit of a mystery to it as well it's like what does it mean when it's full it's like probably means the game's done i don't know <laughs> i love that like i was so hyped about announcing the release date i even forgot to post the grid <laughs> at the end that everyone was like i need to see the whole like a big blue square and i forgot so yeah and i posted it eventually just like a week later or whatever it was fine <laughs> it's just that drip freed indie marketing you know it's all part of the plan i'm sure it's all exactly right livia do you use grids oh i probably should no you do i, I made oh. a grid <laughs> Oh yeah, but I'm not good at using it. <laughs> I made I made like a surf club, um, sort of like a grid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. yeah, it's it's internal for now, but there is a surf club grid floating around. <laughs> I'm very like I'm not good at organizing myself. Like I will make like a really nice organization system, and then I'll forget to use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, that's something we gotta. Um, like a personal journey I gotta go on. <laughs> it's <laughs> like Odyssey, figuring yeah. out figuring out how to organize my stuff. Nah. But um yeah, we did that. I mean, yeah. We've done it like for a few surf club milestones, like when yeah. I wanted to get the Steam page ready. Like we did it for that. And that, was that yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, like now that Knuckle Sandwich is coming out, um I'm basically gonna go full time on Surf Club helping out. So I'll be like the grid specialist, just keeping us on track. <laughs> yeah, there'll be some fresh grids coming for Surf yeah, Club. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we can get a public one going. We'll see how we go. Maybe. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. please. I would love to see that. Yeah. <laughs> but let's do it in one of your color schemes, Olivia. I think something yeah. of your aesthetic rather than that there. Oh, um, absolutely. Tell me a little bit about, I guess, yeah, Surf Club is another project. We spoke to you a few years ago now when you were had sort of started that um where are you at uh with with that game you know obviously you've got a game to release uh, that's obviously <laughs> taking up most of your time but um, i'm just curious how that project has progressed since the last time we spoke yeah you know it's um it is yeah it is currently in hiatus because of knuckle sandwich it's just like turns out it's really hard to like make two games <laughs> at <thought>. once <laughs> um but you know it's coming together like i think since we last talked it's sort of got a bit more of an audience and I think um you know a lot of people they'll show a game when it's like um you know the art is like locked in and the, like all that stuff but like I've sort of been as I've been making it I've been showing bits and pieces here and there and um I think that's like 
something I just want to keep doing. Like, uh, you know, I think that sort of helped show that it's like I'm just like a, a person making it and I'm just sort of like going about going about my life and slowly working on this game and like I think like I have like followers that are just sort of along for like the journey and are like just slowly becoming familiar with the world um yeah I don't know I sort of I haven't really been like in surf club mode um recently like because of knuckle sandwich um but like yeah it's it's getting there (laughs) it's getting there yeah it's hard to make things I'm surprised, you know, when anyone is actually able to finish any project because it's one of the trickiest things anyone can do. And I'm really curious, you know, working on this big project for such a long time. I mean, 2017 or so is when you kind of started this phase of Knuckle Sandwich. Um, we've had a lot go on in the last couple of years. Uh, how do you keep yourself motivated? I honestly don't know. I just think I <laughs> I just kind of get up every day and, and work on it. Um... Yeah, I think... I think you're extremely like self-motivated. Andy. Yeah, there's it's it's just like yeah, I just really wanted to be able to say I did it. I think like that's just what's driven me. Like yeah, I feel like you don't necessarily always need to look for something external to be mm. motivated. Whereas like I think that's like a problem I have, or like I mean not a problem, but it's like sometimes it's like I have to really like um, take the time to like picture what my goals are. Like I need to like write things out. Like this is where I want to be in like a year's time or something. Like I need to like manifest it in my mind. It's not like I just wake up and I'm like, all right, I'll get to the desk and start working. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like we have a bit of a, um, I guess like a routine when we kind of get up in the morning and work from home um, where, you know, we'd ask each other, like, what do you plan on working on today? What like, what's, you know, what are you doing with the game exactly? Like, you know, with our individual games. And Liv will be telling me about, like, you know, I'm going to write this system. I'm going to, you know, do this art, etc. She's like, what are you going to do for Knuckle Sandwich? And I would always say, I'm just going to finish the game. <laughs> um, and I'd been saying that for quite a long time. So I think I think Liv had to teach me to not <laughs> to actually have a specific task, not just yeah. Because if you, if you start every day just being like, all right, I'm going to finish the game, <laughs> then like every day you would end feeling bad because you're like, oh damn it, I didn't finish the game today. I didn't get my goal done. Yeah, yeah, because we check in at the end, and be like, oh, so did you 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 know you complete your goals for the day? I'm like, nah, try again tomorrow. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the team uh, who worked on this game. Uh, who was involved? And uh, tell me a little bit about the music as well, because that's uh, incredible. Yeah, we have a huge soundtrack. I feel it's like 100 songs or something. Um, so in no particular order, we have Lizzie, Nelwood, uh, PNG Sequence, Brain Foam, and uh, Plant- Barch and Plans Bomb. Uh, huge, huge uh, group. It, it wasn't really specifically like meant to be like multiple artists back in the day um like when i started like that wasn't like always like something i intended um i had originally started talking to uh lizzie and jim's um back back when i like first properly started making this a big game um and they like helped to make a few tracks like the demo that sort of thing and then i don't know i i figured like with the game having such varied art style and being just kind of all over the place it would kind of make sense to have multiple people do you know music like that to you know suit that sort of style like visually um you know like brought like barch in who i know who does like all the music for the 3d scenes and they have this kind of really 
I don't want to say like weird style, but like you know, like it it, it suits the like how off the three D feels, like stuff like that. Very ethereal. Very ethereal. Yeah. Um... So yeah, I don't know. I I just. There, there, it, a lot of the stuff with this game I just kind of felt out, you know, like who I collaborated with, that kind of thing. Um, I kind of feel like every musician knew each other in some way. Um, like I, I initially found, um, yeah, Jims and Lizzie through um, through kind of like SoundCloud back in the day and this other website called Battle of the Bits, which was kind of that sort of style of music that they make. Um, and then, yeah, they put me on to other people. They're like, oh, I know someone else who actually does similar sort of music that could fit this game's vibe um so yeah that was kind of just the process of finding people that you know or people i knew about who made cool stuff and i was just like yeah i want that in this game how about contributions to the actual game design and game development how much bigger is the team than the two people sitting in front of me at the moment just us really like there's other people we've collaborated with as far as um like art and stuff like that we like we worked with uh joanna tran who did the um the 3d like the human characters um she did those models um but yeah as far as just like core team kind of you know chipping away at the game most days it's just been us two really um and then yeah we we commission other people to add their stuff in what are you most proud of now that you are you've achieved your goal your daily goal of finish the game <laughs> yeah right i finished yeah. my dailies that's probably one thing yeah. um I'm proud of, i don't know i mean like i think it's really good like i genuinely like, I don't even mean this in an arrogant way or anything, but, like, I genuinely believe it's one of the best games I've played. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's really funny. I think that's good. Um, I think, I mean, I'd, again, I'd love to be proven wrong with this, but I think it's the first, like, Australian JRPG, <laughs> like, very much, yeah. you know. Like, to me, it's it's a very, it's a very Melbourne game. Um, I think I'm proud of that one. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, next time we're talking, Gianni, I can tell you like what I'm most proud of because it's a spoiler <laughs> in terms of what's actually in the game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not telling oh, you. Wait, wait. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it. Well, I was trying to think, like, do I know what it is? But yeah. You know what it is. I think I know what it is. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll rain check on that one, the very specific one. <laughs> Definitely rain check on that one. Well, anyone who's listening yeah, yeah, yeah. to this, play it, and then we'll come back yeah. and you can I think I know the thing do the spoiler that... <laughs> bit. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you should be proud of the fact that you worked on a project for 10 years. Like, every time I mention that to someone, you know, and he's been working on this game for 10 years, it's yeah. like the sentiment is like, how? How do you work on yeah. something oh. for that long by yourself? Like, yeah. that's, like, crazy. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, I guess I said like I did it, but I mean that's that's kind of that encompasses that sort of thought. Um, you didn't get bored during the progress. You didn't like. Andy's not really been like a a side project person either, where he's like, "Oh, I'm going to start working on this other things so that I don't have to work on my main game." You've always just. Oh, I don't know. Like, we took I'm, that... <laughs> I'm, I'm guilty of that, but you've been very much like just just the game. We took that week out to make Beyblade. That was that was a pretty good side project. <laughs> Yeah, five years ago you took a break from the game. Good yeah, on you. Yeah. <laughs> while while we're on holiday in Japan, but you know, like whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I guess there's no specific thing right now. Maybe I'll. I don't know. I kind of feel that's a thing where, like, even though development on the game itself is done, it's only truly going to come alive next week. Like, you know, there's obviously people already following it. People who are really obsessed with the demo and all that, and they make fan art and they're really into the characters. Like, 
I've started noticing this new like phenomenon where it's like people like join like the game's Discord or have like a Twitter account or something, and their handle is like a reference to the game. Like, you know, it's like a character name or a location name or something. Like I've seen people like use screenshots from the game as like an avatar, and I'm like, that's really cool. But I feel like, you know, an avatar, you can just change that later or something. Like, and you obviously can change your username, but like that's still like that's your identity online. That's your that's how people know you as this character or something. I'm like, that's crazy, mm-hmm. right? So like I don't know. I feel like the game's really gonna take a life beyond what I can currently comprehend from a week from now. So I don't know. Ask me next time and I'll probably have an answer. <laughs> That's so interesting because I really think about like the first things that I was, when I first went online, a lot of what my identity was, was like, yeah, DBZ, whatever it was, usernames yeah. <laughs> and things, right? And or FF7, a lot of like stuff like that. And it's curious that that's going to have a role in other people's like experience online. That must feel pretty cool. It's cool. I like, yeah, like I said, I don't know how to necessarily comprehend it. Like it's good. It's a positive, but it's like... Yeah, like I think of that too. Like I think about like the fan art I drew as a kid for like Pokemon or whatever, you know, and I'm like, people are doing that now, right? Like that was a big influential RPG to me back in the day. Like, is this going to be an influential RPG to people like that are, you know, young now, like who may go on to make games or something? Like that's a crazy thought, but it's very possible. Um, So yeah, I don't know. It's weird, dude. You know, it's... (laughs) It's a really fascinating game. And again, you can really feel the Australian influence as you play through it. Uh, I mean, you know, you just have to look at some of the places that you visit and it, it feels like something that comes from here. Um, really fascinated to follow the, the the process of making this game. And I'm really glad that the grid is all blue now and that people can play it. And we've had a lot of fun with it. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for spending the time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Really appreciate yeah. it. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> we'll have you back on again very shortly, I'm sure. We'll do a spoiler cast about your favorite part, Olivia, and then uh, <laughs> people can uh, experience the game. Um, if if you want to find out more about Knuckle Sandwich, you can head to knucklesandwich.biz. Uh, find it on Steam. Uh, by the time you listen to this episode, uh, it'll only be a couple of days before you can pick it up. Join the Sifter community on Discord at sifter.com.au forward slash Discord. Sifter is produced by Fiona Bartholomeus, Daniel Ang, Chris Button and Adam Christou. Mitch Lowe is senior producer and my name is Gianni DiGiovanni and I'm Sifter's executive producer. Hey, the best thing you can do is share the show uh, with people because they might not have heard of Knuckle Sandwich, but you might want to tell your friend, here's a cool conversation with the people who made this game. And that's a really good thing you can do to support indie podcasts like us and indie game developers uh, like Andy and Olivia. That's all the time we have for now. Until next time, have fun. Chris Button here from Drop Rate, Sifter's video game review podcast. Unicorn Overlord might have a strange name, but don't dismiss its tactical prowess. It uses a, a tactics mode, um, and, which is similar to the Gambit system that was in Final Fantasy XII for your um, uh, your squad mates. And you can say, okay, well, you know, Hodrick, who's my legionnaire with the big shield, I want him to prioritize protecting the back row. They're going to take the most damage. If they take a physical hit, they're going to go down, but I need them to be protected. So you can get quite granular with this, and I reckon you can build some pretty wild builds that are <laughs> totally game-breaking, um, but it's kind of the fun of the tactical squad-based gameplay in Unicorn Overlord. Tune in to Drop Rate to find out why Unicorn Overlord might just be one of 2024's sleeper hits.
available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.